Desperately trying to hold back the tears, welcome to Hand of Pod. It's the end of an era, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's finally begun as well. We're over an hour late starting our recording today for reasons that won't be mentioned on the recording. Um, I, think I, can <laughs> I was late bringing the the dictaphone. Very, very noble of you to admit it, English stuff. Um, you know, I'll take. <laughs> very noble of you not to say the guilt. Guilt. <laughs> No, absolutely. Um, we've got English down here, as, as you can hear. Um, he's hello. he's just said hello, uh, and Joel Richards. Hello. And myself, Sam Kelly, and for the final time, um, at least in the studio on Hand of Pod, Australian Dan. Yep. As you said, end of an era. You won't be the same without me. <laughs> certainly won't. Um, What's 75, two years now? Yeah. yeah. No, almost, almost two years, 75 episodes, and you've been on all but a handful of them. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I've probably only missed four or five of those. Um, so, yeah, Australian Dan is moving back to Australia uh, on Friday which will be probably the day after this goes online. Uh, hopefully the day after this goes online, if not the, the day that it happens. Um, but anyway, we, we must press on and try and make this into a snappier podcast than the last one, which is setting the bar remarkably low. <laughs> um, we apologise to anybody who listened all the way through last week's episode. No one. We surely listened all the way through. No. No, I'd, I'd like to see if anyone, staying, if anyone actually listened all the way through, like, say on Twitter and we'll send you a prize or something. Yeah, we'll, we'll send you a, a signed T-shirt of uh, Australian Dan's face to, <clears> to mark this glorious... Uh, glorious, very sad, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> mixed up, occasion. Um... We we have already had, by the way, a couple of people asking us whether we've lined up a replacement for Australian Dan. He has actually been on the last few episodes. Uh, the idea now is that Joel is going to be an official part of the team, uh, which essentially the only difference is that he's going to have to turn up every week and contribute to the alcohol uh, that gets bought from now on. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, we've had two international matches for Argentina uh, since we last recorded. Lionel Messi has failed to become the first Argentine, as far as I'm aware, to score in seven consecutive um uh, what's the word matches for his for the Argentine national team um, although he did succeed in becoming the first since Hernan Crespo ten years ago to score in six in a row he, he got the third against Paraguay in a 3-1 win on Friday before being effectively shackled because he is mortal as Alejandro Sabella put it in his post-match press conference on Tuesday night against Peru in a 1-1 draw uh, gentlemen what was the fallout from these matches what's the reaction been like and what do we think of it well, I think the main thing I can say is that over the two games we had, obviously, Paraguay, which was at home in, uh, in Córdoba, and then Peru was in the, the heights of Lima <laughs> yeah, on Tuesday night. And of course, it's already started. So. And anyone, who, anyone who did manage to listen to last week's episode will yeah. realise why we're laughing at that one. Yeah. And no, I've got to say, after, um, over the, kind of, the two games which I watched... Yeah, the 90 minutes for all of them I wasn't impressed with Argentina and either like you could say in Paraguay they had kind of flurries of decent play like there was some very nice 
Renes goals and I think if I remember correctly both of the opening goals were kind of with a little bit of luck involved they had like a deflection or you know kind of a mistake from the defence yeah the first one in particular I just I well I think so, no, so the second one I'd say was more kind of. well I, I got home and found a lot of uh, sort of one on one great goals and a few other people saying that the first one was, was a golasso. Um and it, it looked came like off it the, the first it came off yeah, like back. Yeah, I mean yeah. for them to be tweeting yeah. golasso twelve hours after it had been scored was a bit It was a little bit much. Well, it was an artist by that. Point. I guess no, I was well, gonna say it was a nice lead up but at, at the same time there was a, a bit of a deflection up a defender and stuff yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So. so I think no, this is kind of uh, the idea I got from the both from both games. We know that Argentina have talent to spare up front, you know. You saw Levesi come in, and for me, over the two games, Levesi was probably one of the best, if not the best, out of the whole team. Like he did his job well, kind of playing against two very aggressive teams in Paraguay and Peru. He was one of the only ones who really kind of stood up to that and got himself, you know, threw himself about a bit, kind of mashed them in that kind of physical arena. But I think the problems, as we said, all through, start from the midfield, which I think against Peru was almost non-existent, you know, attacking and defending. And against Paraguay, it was maybe slightly better because Paraguay went quite up to the level of Peru, when, you know, playing in their own backyard. So I think that's it's got to be a real, real worry for Argentina. I mean, I think all of us know they're probably going to qualify. You know, this isn't in too much doubt. So but, can I butt in here because yeah. there, I think there's a bottom line here, which is regardless of the performance in these last two games, which haven't been as spectacular as the recent games, there is a bottom line, which is that Argentina are clear top of the table. They're the joint top scorers and have the joint best defensive record. So um, while they were not that impressive yesterday against Peru, particularly, um, I think um, I mean Peru were first of all excellent. Mm. Um, they yeah, let's take anything away from Peru. They're, they're they're from, absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah. and they deserve to win. For yeah. me, they deserve and, to win. And, and maybe we'll talk about this a bit more. But just I mean, I think the bottom line here is that we mustn't take mustn't forget this that Argentina have broken the back of this qualification phase. They're top of the table. Um, in spells they've been excellent in spells they haven't but as I said there's no arguing with the results that they're better than everyone else with, with the same amount of games played as I said 15 goals uh, same as Uruguay as the top scorers and I can't remember who's Colombia is the best uh, defence right? six yeah, yeah exactly so so you know uh, people have been very negative after yesterday's game during the game you know all the uh, all the comedians are saying that where's Messi is he actually playing is he on the pitch and you know he didn't have a good game but they're top of the table so I don't really know what else people want yeah as, as I said uh, or as I kind of hinted at um, a minute ago in Sabana's press conference he was asked about Messi's performance and you know why did Messi not play at the level that he's been playing with Argentina for the last year and he sort of looked at the, uh, the questioner and just said well because he's a human being mm. <laughs> he's, he's allowed the odd you know average match rather than mm. having to play an absolutely world beating standard every single game um, I think the question for me is like as I agree completely with Joel, I said to myself that we should expect Argentina to qualify from this group and qualify with some comfort, which obviously is the first objective, but we can't lose sight of the second objective, which is to create a team that can then go on in 2014 and, and win the World Cup. That's what every Argentine wants, to win it in, in Brazil, you know, it's a dream. And I'm not seeing it like, there's goals, there's obviously goals, but they're not coming, you know, Everyone remembers kind of Peckham and Steam in 2006. Like the goals would come from midfield. Like it's all incisive play. 
for me, kind of, I've seen a lot of goals for Argentina. They come on the counter. They come because of the pace of people like Di Maria, the skills of Messi, and you know the finishing of Higuain. Kind of, if you break it down, it's all coming from these individual kind of moments. But as we saw on on Tuesday, when these players, when I thought Di Maria had a very poor game, Messi had for him what was a pretty disappointing game, and Higuain, you know. He didn't get the ball, but obviously he took full advantage scoring the one goal, one of the few chances he did have. So I think the problem for Argentina is going to be if they get to um, a stage, in the one stage in the World Cup, and one of these players, two of these players don't perform, I can't see that there's a team there behind them to, to back them up, to kind of to drag them through it. This is what I'm getting at. Yeah, this is still the thing that needs to convince me. Uh, I think we just had a, a clearer uh, example uh, of what the problem with the team is, which is in defence, and particularly mm. really in two positions, which is the fullbacks. Yeah. Um, and it was just very well uh, highlighted, if you like, by by Peru's performance. They obviously so, targeted uh, Rojo and yeah. Yeah, and I guess Di Maria as the, as the midfielder yeah, on, yeah. on, the, on yeah, Argentina's left there. The left side was poor yesterday. Yes, yeah, yeah, I believe sure. Avincula, I've seen him a couple of times, I believe he plays in Cristal. Mm-hmm. I've seen him around the way, kind of, for Peru and stuff. And I've seen him more of sort of a winger, he's like, played much more advanced. <coughs> so I think they even played in that. Also, uh, Shotun on the other wing, I've seen him play almost here as a yeah. proper kind of uh, wide forward and that so I think Peru really did see that as a weakness they put two players on each wing who could really really hurt Argentina mm-hmm. going forward and <laughs> absolutely and Fafan was, was, and Fafan on, was on the right. absolutely incredible yeah Fantastic. it kind of makes me wonder because one of the things I did see pointed out by uh, and we were discussing before we started recording about uh, particularly myself and English jump we were talking about how uh, at times it gets very tiresome the whole the, the kind of needless slagging off of Sabella and so on and a lot of people kind of forget that at this stage of the last qualification period uh, Argentina were certainly not in a anywhere near as comfortable a position um, but the the fact that the, the three teams that they failed to beat are the three teams who are the three bottom teams in the table at the moment Venezuela no. Bolivia Venezuela are right yeah. Venezuela are third bottom no Paraguay Venezuela won on sorry, you're right. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Venezuela didn't Venezuela win off, Venezuela, uh, a point away from the, uh, yeah, sorry. the playoff um, the, the, the They're all in the, the bottom half of the, um, the qualification table for now, albeit Venezuela are very close, as you say. Um, um, but Bolivia and uh, the other ones from last night, Peru, uh, <laughs> um, both down on four points. And so why is it that Argentina are having trouble with, with yeah. those? But I mean, I, I mean Spain... Didn't, uh, couldn't, yeah. I mean, it took 86 minutes to score against Georgia um, mm-hmm. yesterday as well. Georgia, I mean, Azerbaijan. Well, exactly. And, and these well, are because these are teams that, that have a very set yeah. um, structure, which is based in, in game plan, which is perfectly respectable. And we saw during the Copa America, Mark Arian with his amazing press yeah. conference where he completely blew up and he said, What are we meant to do? Are we meant to just roll over and let the big teams beat mm-hmm. us? Peru were fantastic yesterday. They were they were brilliant. Really, yeah. brilliant. I mean, tactically they were excellent. The work rate was phenomenal. They're, they're, they're strong players. And they were without Vargas, but they're good players. And I mean, Guerrero, of course. And Guerrero. Like, and late, exactly. Yeah. I don't Plus, think... I mean, the point I would make is that we shouldn't fall into the trap of lumping in Peru at the same level as Bolivia, who are clearly the weakest team in the competition. Like, this is well, a team that finished third. Yeah, I agree. I know that, at the moment, they're level on points. Yeah, but which is if you look back at the results um, Peru have had... They've been missing, like Pizarro's been missing for quite a few games. I know he missed at least two or three. Farfan as well missed two yeah. or three. Vargas has missed a few. Garrido missed mm. his last one. Like they've had a lot of, a lot of problems with injuries, which yeah. has definitely hindered them. But I think 
if they can keep their players fit in the in the second half of the qualifying, like you could definitely see them, you know, knocking on the door to qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which, which is another that. another point yeah. that Sabella has um, that made both before and after the game. He was asked yesterday post match, um, you know, were you surprised by by this by an Argentine journalist? And he sort of looked and said, well. No, I wasn't because I, I was telling you lot before the match that they were a better team than their points total and that they've got a really great manager. Um, yeah, they so were semi finalists semi finalists mm. in Copa America. Yeah, so and nice. and if we look at the goal, uh, very well organised, you know, perfect training ground exercise that, was, that they execute yeah, yeah. to perfection. As so, opposed to Argentina's goal, which was a uh, uh, yeah, counter attack, yeah, exactly. Lovetsi's pace. Yeah, exactly. So um uh, oh yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um I think that I think they did quite well against Paraguay though. Um Despite what what Dad was saying, I think they were they were, they were pretty. No, it wasn't a bad performance <coughs> in any way. You know, they did exactly what they had to do. They. I think that's because they're strong now. They're not yeah. a not a possession team as Argentina no. traditionally have. You know, more they're like uh, sharp vertical attacks. Yeah, um, and I felt that's a style that's going to get more out of their attack than trying to play like Spain. Um, would do anyway if they've got all of these pacey Possibly. forwards buzzing the, the one, one, one criticism I would have was that as we talked about before these matches even is the left back position is obviously not sorted yet no. uh, Rojo had a, quite a poor game against Peru and the other thing I was going to say was Sanchez Mina yeah that's, he's, that's one of the questions I think we have is whether yeah, he's yeah. possibly um somebody mm. to bring in there oh and the other thing is, is um, the the amount of it's still the youngest players that Savela is using. Um, we, we know that you know, we've, we've talked about. What do you want to say? Uh, no, I've got something about this. No, but on you, on you. Yeah. We've talked about why he does it, and, and you, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing to, to base your team around a certain club team. Obviously, that's been the, 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 the secret to the success of international teams in recent years. Uh, think of Spain or, or yeah, Italy yeah. and teams like this. Yeah. Just some of the decisions, uh, or some of the players. Enzo Perez who came on against Peru mm. this was the other thing like looking well, at the bench the Argentine bench when they were struggling and they kind of had the decision you know they could either make changes to chase a match or they could make changes to go for the draw but the players they had on the bench were only players that they could have used to, to kind of kill the game off there was no you know obviously Aguero was injured which was a big mm-hmm. a big loss but yeah people on the bench like uh, Enzo Perez Braña Vilia uh, Barcos, which I don't know, I would have, I wouldn't have minded seeing. Yeah, I'm not sure where he called him if he wasn't going to use him in a situation like that. Yeah, but, um, but I mean, yeah, like really Pedro's is the guy who who didn't succeed in Portugal, came back, hasn't been playing very well for Estudiantes. He's always, he's like, no matter what you think of him at his best, he's obviously completely out of form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just well, like, he's back in he's back in Portugal, and this is the point I wanted to make that when uh, two years back. Everybody was saying Enzo Perez must be in the national side because he's, a, he's, a, he's the kind of player, attacking wide midfielder who, who gets forward a lot. And he was in, when he was in great form, and, and sure, last couple of years he hasn't been. But the point is that when he was in Argentina, everyone's saying we need more Argentine-based players. Yeah, they feel the camera said that, and Enzo Perez was the player who did this. Suddenly he goes to Europe, and everyone's like, oh well, who's he? He's nobody. Yeah. And now everyone's talking about Buffarini, San Lorenzo. Yeah, he's based in Argentina. That's a different argument. If we leave it aside, no, what, I, what I'm getting at is I just think with that, I think there is a this kind of there, there is this constant actually where the, the local press 
and fan, a lot of fans want locally based course, players. Which is the players they see every until, week. Until, until like a year ago. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's no longer a locally yeah, based player. So we like, are, oh, who's, who's Enzo Perez? It's like, well, hang on, a year ago everyone wanted him right, to right. team. Yeah, it's the same with Sosa or anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've talked about that before, but I mean, if, if we can, as foreign journalists here, we can leave aside the, the Argentine press bias. But it's um, the problem. This is, this, this is part of the. It, it's the issue which, which inevitably has a, an effect on Savella and, and the decisions he makes. I think, I think, done, I think more than Perez, I'd say Guignasu is a is a player who's I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't understand why he's in there. I think the fact you know, for, uh, for example, yeah. the other thing is it seems to have slightly. I mean, apart from the Estudiantes issue, it's, it's, it just seems to have less of an, uh, an influence on Sabella's thinking than say on Maradona's thinking when he was national manager, who hmm. called up plenty of domestic based players for. Reasons of, of varying. Uh, yeah, no, I think Sabella's reasoning is, is different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I don't yeah. think Sabella is is, is yeah. kowtowing to the to the press or the public yeah. in general. Yeah. I think he has different reasons. I just don't understand them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. On Branya and Gunyasu, I think yeah. it's, it's difficult Brandy. to really justify those those two players. But in the case of Enzo Bedis, I, I totally stand by this. That he's the kind, he's a different type of midfielder. And a year ago. 18 months ago everyone was like Enzo Pérez has got to be in the side or Augusto Fernández one of those one of those two players and and part of it was that he was, he was based in Argentina yeah. and now that he's, he's suddenly gone it was like well hang on who the hell's he why is he in the setup that's ridiculous yeah. but then from that side of Zerbi you look at you know Enzo Pérez is in the squad and Pastore isn't for example you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's a hard one to swallow especially when you see Enzo Pérez with his estudiantes background and I think this is something that doesn't help Zerbi's case particular. Absolutely. Um, Argentina's yeah. next match is going to be one month today, um, i.e. one month yesterday, for those of you who are listening <coughs> on the day this comes out. I say the date. <laughs> I, I, I might say that, yeah. um, It would make more sense. The, sometime around about the 12th of... Oh, bloody hell, what month is it at the moment? September. Yeah, so the 12th October. of October. Um, in Mendoza. So if you're coming to Buenos Aires especially for it, then I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's happening about 800 miles away. Lucky they're finding out now. So sorry to all the yeah. Uruguayans <laughs> as well. <laughs> they're going to be yes, really and, and apologies for the Uruguayans. That is, of course, exactly why the AFA have uh, timetabled it to take That's place on the other side of the country. It's, it's just so awful. If you, if you can't do it, then why not? The Peruvians um, play at height, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Peruvians play at 6,000 metres. Yeah, why, why aren't Argentina allowed to play at 700 metres? Um, it will be taking place in Mendoza against Uruguay. Um, the probably the, the longest well in fact it is the longest running rivalry of this World Cup qualifier it's the longest running rivalry of any of the South American World Cup qualifiers whether Brazil are involved or not but my point was yeah. without Brazil involved it's the biggest of Argentina's rivalries to worry about we could probably speak about Uruguay for a second like, Go for it. they've had some very disappointing results they've been um, disappointing you know I think the coming into this was extremely disappointing and coming into this double header the senior team had, were on a, a national team record run of 19 matches without defeat and Dan tell us about what happened to that on Friday well this is where we can make another tenuous Argentine connection because they got destroyed by not so tenuous in fact no it's, it's not particularly tenuous but it has a connection at mm. least they got destroyed by a Colombia team managed by Argentine Jose Pekerman 
who, you know, the Colombians were absolutely fantastic from what I saw. Yeah. Was it? It was 4 0, right? And, and also, yeah. I thought you were two goals from and, and who's yeah, yeah, yeah. One from former River Plate well, uh, striker, yeah. Yeah. Falcao. Falcao, yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, did James Rodriguez score in that one as well? No. Or, no, no, he scored the equaliser. James scored against Chile, Chile yeah. on Tuesday, a ridiculous free kick, if anyone wants to look, look it up. I um, remember he scored the other one for, uh, for Colombia. Falcao scored the opener. Uh, Taylor scored two in the second half including one very early right after half time and then the other one was in the 90th minute from one of the centre backs and I can't remember the name it was was it was it that's the one yeah you're right Um, that's no connection to Argentina (laughs) no no he doesn't uh, that's why I was wondering whether Hamas had scored in that one but Hamas Rodriguez so you saw kind of um, yeah this round was you know it was kind of the midway stage you can say it's a little bit complicated because some teams have played more games some teams have played other oh, so, so it's so more we're we getting seven the Venezuela have played eight yeah. That's the, yeah so they haven't all played seven no that's what I've said all, all <laughs> Venezuela have played yeah and you saw a like, shift of power because I think in the no, first stay, half stay stay yeah. <laughs> so yeah because I think the first half uh, Uruguay looked very impressive I think they were mm. not top because Chile were top but having played one game more but they were second right there unbeaten and then Colombia have been they kind of struggled for the first half they sacked their coach after I believe the Argentina game that 2-1 and Beckham yeah, yeah, came in and right. lost his no 1-1 lost one I think in the first series he played and then they played some yeah just yeah, two really right. impressive wins Beckham came against in. Uruguay and, yeah. and Chile did you, guys, did you guys see the, um, the, the post-match interview like immediately like on the pitch with uh, Tio Yes. Yes. He I, said, I, I, uh, he, they said, um, oh, you know, how would you, what happened? What's changed with you? And, and Tio thanked God, his family, and his psychologist mm. for his form. And I was thinking, well, surely his coach had, had something to do with him, <laughs> but, but uh, evidently not. Mm-hmm. He's missing a few, like, a few more sessions, and he'll start to thank the coach. Like. Yeah. Tio's missing so many things. Like, <laughs> just so many ways we can take that joke, but we yeah. shall move on now. But he um, has been, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, if you ask, uh, yeah, brilliant. I know you just after, I think it was either after the Chile game or even after the Uruguay game, like uh, a Facebook page came on which I was linked to saying, um, come back, you know, for Racing, come back, Teo, all is forgiven, sand out. But. <laughs> well, I saw another one, um, the, the Argentine journalist who's based, I think, in New York, Ariel Cudas, and he was oh, yeah. saying these, that, that Peckerman is going to do the impossible and re- revitalise Teo Gutierrez's ke- uh, career. If anyone can do it, it's, it's, it's Peckerman. Yeah, which, which I thought was an in- really interesting point. Yeah. Um, which it, it would be quite something of a miracle. And, and at this stage, it also looks very much like he could lead Colombia into the World Cup, yeah. um, which, which would be something to, yeah, to, to see particularly in South Africa. Falcao was excellent in the two games, though. I don't think I think everybody who yeah. listens particularly after the, the last uh, couple of weeks with the European Super Cup is, is fully aware of what a key part of, of the Colombian team uh, Falcao is um, and God knows I love him as well as, as anybody long term listeners will, will know from his time at River Plate um, I would say that was a long time before the podcast but I mean I've mentioned it before I don't mean that he was playing there when we were recording this isn't going anywhere <laughs> I'm going, to play some, I'm going to play some incidental music now. I'm going to let the others all stop laughing at me, joking over my words. And we shall come back and discuss the league, because there have been league matches over the weekend.
as Australian Dan uh, pours the uh, the other two Dan's no pours the other uh, the, the other two Englishmen who aren't me I am all over the place I'm, I'm not even drunk anything um, my fosters the yes his, his traditional Australian lager yeah, everybody drinks in Australia absolutely yeah um Anyway, he's now poured it, so it's not even as, as that happens. But I shall now bring in the league, and I'll mention as well that we've just been joined by a friend, uh, Florencia. Say hello. Hello. Who's a massive Independiente fan, so we'll be asking her about how they've started the season. Um, she's terrified now. She's looking at me as if I'm being, hoping I'm not being serious. Um, the first thing to mention about this weekend is that everybody in the league played a match this weekend. However, <laughs> no, 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 this is a serious point. However, the highest placed team at the end of the weekend to have won one of those matches that they played was Belgrano, who at the 10th. None of the top nine um, won. Arsenal de Sarandi, the, the defending champions, played San Martín de San Juan in the very first match of the weekend. Uh, San Martín, of course, had lost all five of their first matches and then had sacked Facundo Sava as manager. Um, and with a caretaker manager, whose name I've forgotten, um, and whose name is not on the Ole feature, so I won't bother looking it up. Perrone. Gabriel Perrone. Um, they smashed them. 4-0. Um, what happened to San Martín to suddenly make them remember how to play football. Anybody see that again? No, I did see it. Oh, really? There was some... So you saw it before we left for the pizza because we were at your going away party. Oh, yeah, I did see it. I saw part of it. Yeah, no, it's um, just astonishing. I mean, there were uh, some, some pretty controversial some decisions. Moments. Yeah, so Lisandro right. Lopez and, and um, uh, Ragieri were yeah, sent yeah, off. Yeah, two centre-backs. Which, the, the Lisandro Lopez as well, the, the decisions there were slightly controversial um, take us through Lisandro Lopez because he got two bookings I mean well, he got two bookings seven. the first booking was is was for an offence which is a, a red card if it's an offence that's that's been seen or spotted by the referee so the idea of getting the point of getting a yellow card was was a little bit odd and I think it was for an elbow it was for, for violent play basically um, as it's a red card if, uh, if that's what was being punished and then there was a a handball which was I mean to I mean yeah, he, he was, was currently waving his hand <laughs> yeah sorry if I forget this is yeah we're not on TV yeah, yeah. yeah he was, he was in a sort of in a headlock facing the other direction as he as he <laughs> kind of yeah. fell and his hand was up in the air and the ball hit his hand Dan's also doing some brilliant hand yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so I've, I've got Dan in a headlock here yeah. <laughs> it could be it was uh, it was one of those 50-50 sorry, so, he, so he got not just a penalty second yellow and, and he was off so um uh, and then as I said Bragieri was also the other centre back was also sent off so the end of, end of the game with nine that obviously helps um, well by the time Bragieri was sent off they were already three nil down oh, sorry I'm just well, two, two of the goals were brilliant as well to be honest yeah. pretty much unstoppable which then asks the question I suppose what, uh, what were the players up to for the previous five games mm. Well, then again, they were said absolutely hopeless yeah. manager, Joel. No, 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 quite the opposite. And I think the, he's and the uh, San Martin's players are not absolutely hopeless themselves. Yeah. No, I think they're. I think, well, clearly they're. Then again, I think, said, yeah, I think we saw after the game. I think I can't remember who it was, but one of the San Martin goal scorers came out and said on camera, "You know, we dedicate this result to Salva." Like, so obviously. It wasn't like they were trying to push Obviously him out. Obviously, they're trying to shift the focus. Is, is what I mean. <laughs> ah, you think it's a <laughs> nice yeah. double bluff there? <laughs> ah. um, Pretty clever down in San Martin. Yeah, yeah. In San Juan, even. Yeah. In San Martin as well. Wherever that is. 
the the other, some of the other results. Rafaela beat All Boys uh, 2-1 in Rafaela. That was on Friday night, and that's the match that I don't think any of us would have seen because we yeah. were definitely at Dam's party by that point. So we won't say anything about it. Um, Estudiantes and Vélez drew nil-nil on Saturday afternoon. That's, That's a pretty yeah, terrible game. Yeah. I saw most of that and wished I hadn't done. San Lorenzo beat Colón 2-1. Did anybody catch that one? I didn't watch any football on Saturday. So. Piatti was pretty good. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, it? he was good. I, mean, I, I, I almost want, wish that we could have had Mariano on this week to ask him whether he's still sad about something. Yeah, but I get the, I get the impression it's gonna, we'll have plenty of opportunities to ask uh, Mariano about, about Piatti because <laughs> he, was, he was just fantastic. I mean, a class of above the rest really and the other uh, thing is that uh, Handepod um, one of Handepod's favourite midfielders Julio Buffarini who's also been called up to the local uh, the domestic national team to face Brazil's domestic national team uh, in friendlies later this month Dan could you say he's goal for San Lorenzo he's a former yeah. Ferro player so I was going to ask Dan actually do you know the last former Ferro player to be included in the national setup? Uh, I don't know if Fatsil was in any of the local or the, maybe he played in one of those Nigeria games I think yeah uh, yeah, he definitely figured in. And then before that, you're probably going back to Ashala. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anyone else yeah. recently. Because we've been celebrating like crazy in Cavachito. Like, <laughs> it's a real honour for us. Ashala, for the benefit of anglophones listening, is is uh, the proper pronunciation of the player you all know as Roberto Ayala, um, the Valencia centre back and national team centre back for a long time. Mm. Um, Argentines pronounce wise funny, so <laughs> that's why he's called that. Uh, Denis Strapolosi also made a goal scoring return after sorting out his taxes and things. Um, so the Strack attack is back. <laughs> San Lorenzo um, looked a bit more like the, the San Lorenzo I think we saw in the first week where um, you have these, these guys up front who, who do look like they could be a really strong unit uh, if they get, get their stuff together. Um, and yeah, Strack was, uh, was actually really good. Like a lot of uh, sort of back heels and you know, his. Target man type stuff. Mm. Back heels not staying on his feet this time, right? No, yeah. <laughs> make fun of him, and he's, <laughs> he's angry. We like it very much. Dan, um, you were at the the next match on on the agenda: Argentinos Juniors versus Boca, mm. which was a one-one draw. Tell us about it. Uh, one point that was interesting was that Sanchez Nuno was playing at left back. Uh, so um, why was this interesting for the benefit of those? Well, because as we talked about, that's that's now the spot in the national team that is, is up for grabs and he's been mentioned for that uh, he did alright he saw him defending a little bit rather than just bombing forward um, but yeah I guess less less effective getting forward which is the problem like he's he's very exciting spreading balls wide and and, and you know passing into dangerous zones and, and having shots on goal so as a left back you lose that a little bit it wasn't until um, Colasso came on right near the end where we saw the best of Sanchez Mania combining with him down the left. So, is that I think Colasso's first match since his injury? Yeah, or is he played? Injury, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think he might have been on the bench. Yeah, I think he's played already. Used or came on really late on okay. last week as well. But. That's good to see him back. Like, I, I always thought he added something yeah. to Boca, like definitely yeah. some width. Like, yeah. a dangerous fact, player. His, his return is, is another. Part of the reason that, that Sanchez Mino improving at left back is, is going to be big for Sanchez Mino himself because okay, even Julio Cesar Parcioni a few weeks ago said that Min, uh, Sanchez Mino was going to stand the better chance of coming through at left back because of the left side of midfield as Boca had, and he yeah. specifically yeah. mentioned uh, Colasso. Yeah. Um, aside from that, um, Boca with, a, with I think the better side clearly, but uh, Argentinos went ahead with a, a really nice goal from distance from Capuro. Alejandro Capuro, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very nice goal. Arrowed into the bottom corner, which um, 
you've got the feeling the four of us just watch the, the same three games every week and then we kind of scrabble around for things I was actually saying on the other seven <laughs> and I watch it as well I think Sam watched it like, one I'm saying you know oh, oh, right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Against one game which, which one of us missed quite spectacular <laughs> at least in the stadium <laughs> was Belgrano's 1-0 win uh, I'm, I'm going to just rub this in a little bit more nine man Belgrano's 1-0 win I've got some things to say about against this Belgrano. Um, I've got some things to say about before we get started I'll just mention myself Martin Zapata's uh, red card which was another controversial one after Joel talking about Lissandro Lopez's um, Zapata's the other, uh, red card sorry which known for, for two bookable offences the first of which should have been a booking for Cesar Carranza yeah um, talking about it before he'd been booked in error and therefore was shown his second yellow which was actually only his first uh, I didn't realize later that. in the match um, so they should have finished with 10 men he, he was sent off about an hour in um, and then Carranza got shown the yellow card as well I think Carranza did not get booked no oh, oh that must be yeah we were all sure he got booked. Also, when it's uh, Zapata, and that's why he got the Zapata, and, and the ref booked Zapata by mistake. Yeah, I want to say that's an awful mistake. That's an awful mistake. It yeah. was clearly Carranza, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're nothing. They don't look anything like each other. I mean, no way. No, way. no, no, you're right. You're right, exactly. Like, he's a foot taller and, uh, I don't know, not yeah. bald. One has hair, one the other doesn't. But I saw them, they were both. Well, one journalist managed to nab both of them after the game in the in the mix zone, and um, would he like compare them like skull sizes? And yeah, stuff like that? no, but just sort of asking, and I mean, like this is something I don't understand. This kind of uh, code that footballers have, where you've seen it before, where somebody will get wrongly booked, mistakenly booked, and they don't own up to it for some reason, as in they like don't dob in your teammate. Kind of mm. But in this case, it was detrimental to them because. Yeah. Zapata got set off because of it and, and kind of you could see at the time it was going to be detrimental to them because Carranza is an attacking player <coughs> it's much easier for him to stay out of a situation where he might get booked later in the game than <laughs> for Zapata who okay he's not a, a particularly defensive midfielder but he's still playing yeah, a bit so down the pitch and a bit more like he's trying to attack I wonder why they do that and they just tell the ref that you booked I don't know how you, what you can do like you know tell them can, you the wrong the ref, guy. Can, they, can they take away a yellow card on the pitch no I mean no, the first, when it first happened no no, because what? So you want someone to do a foul and then go ring out to the ref? Oh yeah, it was me. It was me. Well, if book somebody else, yeah. No, but then once the book is shown, it's too late. Like they can't well, do anything. No, they can. No, I've seen them. Do they it can retract, but I don't think they, 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 they don't do it on, on the on the say so of, of players. I, no. mean, I mean, there's a very famous in, in the UK and England. There was a very famous uh, situation where Robbie Fowler, playing for Liverpool, went went down in the area and he died and and. The referee gave a, a penalty against David Seaman, and Fowler went to the referee and he was saying, "It's not a penalty. You need to book me for diving." And then they, they gave it. They gave it anyway, and, uh, and yeah, to the penalty. So. But so you can't just have a player saying, "Oh, by the way, you know, it was actually no. it was the other guy." But when they book, they can. They can.
but if he wasn't pushed to the time, I don't think that'll go towards Karanis as total. English Dan, tell us about uh, why you weren't there. Well, basically, the plan was to be there. Like, um, I have a ticket for every away game for Racing because I'm sick like that, and I went down to the headquarters and booked the trip, and it was supposed to leave at six o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday morning to get there just before kickoff, I imagine, which was a bit ridiculous in itself. Like, if we left at one o'clock in the morning, you know, we could have spent a lovely day in Cordoba, got a nice asado going, and all this kind of thing. Although that's probably a bit more police work than they would have wanted, but, so I probably understand the reason is. But so yeah, had to be in Vichel Parque, which is a neighbourhood, probably about 30, 40 minutes trip, maybe a little bit more at six in the morning. Uh, from my home, so I thought, no, set my alarm for 4.30, I'll get there nice and early, so it'll be fun. Wake up at 4.30, thought, you know, I could probably have a, a couple more minutes in bed, it's fine. Shut my eyes a second more and then wake up at half six. And I thought, no, it's gone. <laughs> These are the kind of minute-by-minute minute thrilling accounts that you get to Argentine football on hand of post. This is it, like, this is real, this is being a fan, you know, exactly. like, sleeping through the match. And, and now we're going to have another one because the next match to discuss is Independiente's 1-1 draw with Kilmes. Flo, did you say? Yeah, what did you think of it? Um. <laughs> you in the stadium? Yeah. No. <laughs> that is our <laughs> We shall now move on to what was, I think it's fair to say, the best. I was going to say something about Racing actually. Go for it, We kind of skipped over. We talked about the yellow card drama. For right, too long, you're right. Yeah. Yes. So, well, that game finished 1 uh, 0 to Belgrano with a goal by Carranza, who we were just talking about. He scored right on the strike of half time. Then, probably about within 15 minutes of the second half, Belgrano were down to nine men. And it was there that Racing. I can't understand the like Zuendia, the coach is thinking because it was just ridiculous what he did. Like, okay, you're playing against nine men, and you've got kind of your eleven. You've got them all set up how you want. But so why Zuendia's reaction to it was to throw on I think kind of three centre forwards more, which just completely, completely altered the shape. It meant they had four at the back, I think, still five up front. And say and one in the middle. A broken team effect. It was a broken team. Yeah. And I think with all that, playing against nine men with five forwards, they created about half a chance. But it was logical because they were in the whole shape of the team and all they could do was pump long balls from defence up to attack or kind of go really slowly because there was no one in the middle. Mm. But it's kind of this thing I've seen it mentioned a couple of times with Zawedia like he's been down I think against Boca and his reaction's just been to throw two extra forwards on but it seems like they do it without any any sort of consideration about how the team could play with these players you know it's sort of this thinking that oh you've got five forwards on it's going to make you more attacking it doesn't work like that so it you know I thought if they kind of say Put another forward on, play say four three three, kept the shape in the midfield. You could see they could push on, maybe get a goal, but you know, you had five people just waiting in the area for something to arrive, but there was no one to pass to them. Yeah. It was just that tactically it was a complete mistake, you know. Typical case of people panicking and thinking more is better, but it just didn't make sense. And that was the first defeat. Harassing have suffered in like at least a local league this year, but they're still still third. Like luckily, they were they were pretty fortunate with the results. So 
they kind of fared two points behind Boca so it's still there but it was it's a setback and it was kind of really really kind of boneheaded coaching for me I don't know what you guys think about this. I mean, I yeah, don't think Zawedi is the only one who does it in Argentina, like when the team's down. Like, I, I you, know, you throw on your forwards, you throw him, yeah. I like Zawedi as a manager, but he does, you're right, seem to struggle when he's behind at yeah. times and when he has the man advantage, or the two man advantage yeah. in this case, with, uh, with knowing exactly how to use it. Although it has to be said that, you know, teams do struggle a lot of the time when when they're forced to play with a man extra because it means that the others, the team who've had the man sent off can just drop back and mm. concentrate on defending what they've got especially when they've got the lead or, or a, mm. the drawing position let's say do any of you two have anything to add on that? Or, uh, I don't, well I don't know if you do I've seen this kind of this phenomenon before I think, think, uh, I think is, is inevitably tricky and I mean they don't have to do anything they're already, they're already candidates for the title on top of who they've signed this year on top of Centurion and Vieto um, there's a lot of pressure there and and you're right about the, the issue I think going down to nine men just means that it's just especially when they've got a goal ahead I mean it's just a question of for Belgrano yeah. as any side does in that situation it's all you know back to the walls yeah. sort of situation so it is difficult to break down but um, no it doesn't matter how many forwards you've got yeah, so exactly you know, yeah exactly but, have their line at the back mm, but it's strange what, what you're Telling us what obviously what we saw about that, and not not looking to stick with you know these uh, having the midfielders as uh, you know sort of creative force that maybe try and force some of the defence out. Well, exactly, yeah, exactly. So um, it, it's a, but I think it's a very difficult situation because there's huge pressure at Racing. Oh yeah, and, massive and, and pressure. He's, and he's got yeah. arguably the best 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 squad in the in the country at the moment. So mm. I put Vokas like still still ahead of Racing's like they got a hell of a squad. Maybe not the best eleven, but squad wise. Uh, can we maybe very quickly say a few words on Luciano Vieto? Because this morning the Mirror in England linked him with a four million pound move to so either Liverpool or Juventus. Is that even um, worth mentioning? Luciano Vieto, if anybody is listening, especially for this, because of course I'm going to put it in the headline to help us get listens, um, is a very promising young racing striker. But he's scored three goals for the first team, I believe. Uh, all all, all of which came in one game. He's a media punta in Ganchi, like, you know. And, and the first one of this hat trick a couple of weeks ago against San Martin in fairness to him redefines the word screamer. Um, it was a beauty. Look it up if you haven't already, it's, it's incredible. Uh, but yes, there's, there's not really much else to add. The, the £4 million price tag is frankly no. hilarious. Not because we think he's a bad player, but because he's played five or six matches. The first team, something like that? Uh, I think eight, including okay. substitute appearances, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Almost all of them have been substitute appearances. And now from uh, from one young and promising striker who's just started scoring in the Primera to another, David Tresegay opened his account. You're going to answer when he's muddy then. Um, Love. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a fact of Independiente. Oh, go on. Oh, that they scored the first local goal since the 28th of April. First goal at home? Wow. Nice. That long? This is, this is quality stuff. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get Flo to send us one of these every week from now on. For it, just remember the laugh though when he when he does the job. <laughs> okay, yeah. so um, just look at the laugh. It's good man. It's, yeah. We you we mentioned signs, like, uh, possibly Joel mentioned a week or two ago that uh, Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, San Lorenzo's manager, had had stated that David Tresegay had to get used to playing in the Argentine first division. Uh, he has done now. He scored a. Sort of flying kung fu kick. Very typical, very yeah. athletic kind of <laughs> to your foot up above his head. To <laughs> equalise for River Plate to make it one-one <laughs> against <laughs> your. <laughs> 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 
River later took a 3 1 uh, lead just over an hour in. Um, and then threw it away with some really really spectacular really spectacular really also, spectacular. also the penalty yeah. <laughs> very funny <laughs> absolutely um, describe the penalty essentially the, the penalty all started when Gabriel Mercado uh, uh, twanged some I think knee ligaments during the first half and had to be subbed off and Matias Almeida who as I've kind of hinted in recent weeks is starting to get increasingly frustrating for me as a manager had had the bright idea of not naming any defenders on the substitutes bench, which meant uh, it was Carlos Sanchez, uh, sorry, Martin Aguirre, the midfielder, had to replace him at right back. And Aguirre then gave away this penalty trying to chest it. Well, Sanchez. 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 Accidentally, in inverted commas, perhaps uh, handballing it. So it's sort of a Branya moment, like. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those ones where they get down really low yeah, to try and, and to chest catch it. it. Yeah, and, he, and it hit his arm. Um, it was, as, as Australian Dan says, just brainless, basically. There was uh, just stupid lack of concentration involved. Um, and yeah, and three minutes, uh, Ignacio Skoko absolutely slammed that one in, and then three minutes later. Uh, really spectacular equaliser. It was, yeah. it was yeah. brilliant, yeah. brilliant he's, move and a fantastic finish. He must have one of the, the, the hardest kicks in football. He's yeah. just insane. Though. Plus, he's now the initial top scorer before, and he was going to come to Racing as well. Like none of us had even heard of him, but apparently uh, Saka had requested that he came because they played together in was it AK Athens? They played together in Greece, hmm. but for some reason he didn't come and we thought oh well no one even knows him then he comes to Newell's of course he just starts scoring well, he, he, paid, he paid money to go back to Newell's didn't he he, he, wanted, uh, he, right? yeah, he wanted to return uh, yeah. joint top scorer we should say along with a player who I don't think we've ever mentioned on Hand Pod before mm. do you know who he is? Mm. Uh, it's an interesting one uh, Ivan Bozielo of all boys uh, has also got four goals He's uh, always been there or thereabouts. He scores. He scores goals. <laughs> oh, so he say goals. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say about Borghello? He's uh, uh, Borghello, right? <laughs> if it's, if it's <laughs> GH in Italian, it's Borghello with Pardew. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I apologise. Borghello. Is it Vela or, or Beja? Vela. Seems to be how Rivers fans say that. Who is likely to be replacing Mercado at right back now because Mercado is going to miss the rest of the Donnell initial. Gentlemen, watching his neutrals, what did you think of River Newell's? I thought it was a cracker. It was. It was a cracker. Not the kind of cracker I would have preferred if it finished 3 2 or 4 3, obviously. Well, it's been described as River's best game of the season, and it probably was. Certainly a stark contrast to their previous home game, which was that dire draw against San Lorenzo. Anything apart from that is better. Well, I think I still stick to Newell's as probably my title favourite, so I think. Uh, I think I might have picked Niels to win it but Niels uh, uh, second right now they are between Boca Racing Boca 13 Racing and Belles and Colón so I mean for both sides probably not a bad result in the end of draw I think probably River deserved to win it which shows that they're quite uh, quite decent when they when they want to be I guess it's the thing they're good enough at the back I guess it's the thing with River like you know we were all kind of slating Almeida the week before or two weeks before against San Lorenzo saying he played too timidly and then now we're saying that he left the defence right and like well, I'm, I'm this is a kind of balance this is a balance you have to make you know can you get a decent attack and a decent defence I'm, so. I'm saying it's completely brainless whether you've got <laughs> decent defence or not to not name any any defenders well yes this is brainless I mean this is very brainless I'm surprised I'm almost surprised you named Daniel Vega on the bench as a substitute goalie it was such a now, what do you need a substitute goalie for? Um, I don't know either. Who got Pelletier 
It's, it was really, and also Le- uh, Leonardo Poncio um, became and the first player this season to get it to pick up a suspension as a result of yellow cards accumulated. He's now on five from the opening six matches, which is really impressive. Oh, because he wouldn't have had any from the last season if he was in the National League. No. No, um, no, 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 no. Mentioned, well, uh, they don't carry over in fact anyway Morris. Morris. No. Morris I was, was going to say yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah we had a bit of a goal and um, I, I think it was a brilliant goal Joel seems to be no there, there's one replay where uh, there's one replay where he's clearly looking and there's another replay where it's a, from it, way out on the, on, it, the, on the right right yeah there's one yeah, where it looks right, like he's right, not looking right. at the goal he's actually looking at who's in the box hmm. um, and I haven't seen many chipped, floated shots from that kind of angle, yeah. uh, which it was. But it was. I mean, the, but I mean, it looked fantastic. Yeah. And, the, and the I was going to ask you guys if, you, if any of you guys heard. I'm sure they must. He must have been on Fox, as they say, right? And he must have been asked about it. I, I, I haven't seen I have it. To but, say, actually, I've, I've not. Um, um, I haven't done. But but regardless of whether it was a fluke or or, or not, or whether it was meant to be a cross or or, or a shot, his performance was excellent. I mean, it was his yeah. uh, flick on for for Trezeguet's goal. Which was, which was vital um, and he, he was kind of playing actually not, not the playmaker as such but the link man yeah. um, in, a, in a front three and he, and he was excellent he was, he was added so much to, to River's play and, and I think he was fundamental really for, for what was a very different River play to the one we've seen so far this season yeah if, um, if you are after a club football fix from the weekend gone having not been able to enjoy domestic football in, in your own league back home uh, as a result of the internationals you could do much worse than go on YouTube and look up the goals from Ripon Newells because there was that there was Funes Maris to put them 3-1 uh, up which, which by the way was a, a golazo yes a brilliant exactly. brilliant team goal there was and Scott, as well as a great finish Scott's goal for 3-3 three, three as yeah. well as, which yeah. as we've already said was, was insane and even Tresegut's uh, initial finish Pablo Perez is opener I can't remember too much oh that was a very close range stab that's kind of yeah, I think. Yeah. That, that was a less yeah, spectacular one but um, there were three or four really great goals um, to watch there and then on Monday uh, Union drew 1-1 with Tigre anybody catch that? Lucas Orban was sent off the former River Plate left back finally <laughs> done something bad for his new club I mean, it's taken him six <laughs> rounds so I'm still not bitter no no, no, no I'm, I'm, it's I'm not getting angry this I'm still angry for Almeida for letting it go can um, we have like a weekly Urban update yeah exactly uh, Diego, Diego Fatakla Fatakla scored another um, for Tigre as well and then Lanús looked like they just might be kicking into gear at last they, they've started slowly the last few short tournament uh, short cup championships um, they beat Godoy Cruz too now and we've talked about Godoy Cruz being back this season um, Mauricio Pereira and Pablo Goltz getting the goals for them did anyone catch that one? no no, sorry. No, no, I didn't. Cool. Come yeah, on. Come on. Um, okay, so next week I will see you. Laura, can you say Skoko? Skoko. Uh, it's not Eh Koko. It's Koko. No. Yeah. Well, Coco. a lot of the commentators just ignore the S. Yes. They say Koko. Koko. Oh, yeah. Can you say Fetakla? <laughs> Fetakla. <laughs> you should be a commentator. Right? <laughs> the, the Argentine commentators then say Fetakla. They, they put an A in there. Where it, no, they say Fetakla. But you're telling me to say it if yeah. I read it. Uh, that's a different story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, Not much. Just, I uh, said Ashala. Thank you. It's Ashala. Where to now? Let's go to the questions. Yeah. No, It's a black hole. We'll get it. It's a minute's black hole. A few weeks. 
and now I shall play some music and we'll come back and we will answer some of your we'll questions. Champagne as well. And we're going to pop open some champagne. So now, hopefully, you'll be able to hear, dear listeners, the the cork popping. <laughs> Thank you. Probably. You're not, getting, you're not getting your deposit back now. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a hole in the roof. Hole in the roof. We'll fight today. <laughs> Fortunately, Australian Down has the finest collection of champagne glasses in Buenos Aires, so we're drinking this out of the, the fine uh, cristal, as it were. Um, it's got a wine logo on it, but it looks more like a sherry glass than a shape. Until I spent too much time with my grandmother, can't you? Let's have something like that. Yes. Cheers. 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 Bon voyage down. Bon voyage. And now we'll get on to the questions. Um, DP Fultz asks You have questions Yeah yeah. people ask us questions Can you believe it? People actually listen to this We don't do it just for us Because we don't listen But they ask things It's amazing Well what are you saying about the listeners who ask questions Phil? Hear the questions first We have a lot of time Excellent. If you go on Twitter, you'll find a lot of people with lots of free time. DP um, <laughs> Fulks asks, should cult hero of yours and mine, Pelletieri, be looking to take the gloves for Argentina? And this is in reference to his penalty save a couple of rounds ago. English down? No, I like Romero. Like, I think he's... Um... I beg your pardon, keep talking. Yeah. Here's to be a new tweet I've just received. Yeah. Well, clearly, yeah. no. Pelletieri's not going to be the Argentine goal. It's kind of like how much I'm going to say about this. But I'm going to kind of try and turn it into a serious question. Say, I like Romero as a keeper. Like, I think he had two two solid games for Argentina this time, and there's no reason to be uh, to be rational. Well. And would a penalty save. Anything Pelletieri can do. Absolutely, yeah. The, uh, Romero did save a penalty two minutes into the match against Peru. Would you say that Pelletieri's best chance of getting into the national team would be in goal, though, if, if it push came to shove? It's just a shame that he didn't play in Estudiantes because I think he deserves to be in there more than Branya. Like, is he is in the locally best one? Really? Wow. No, he wasn't. No, surprising that. Um, Samosa, Ramio, all got there. Philip, right there before. Philip Briggs and Tom Robinson have asked two fairly similar questions, so I'll combine them into uh, into two. Really, they'll ask them at the same time. Uh, what will Aussie Dan miss most and least about Argentine football when he returns to Australia? Who and asked Tom, most and who asked least? And Tom says, "What's been your favourite footballing uh, moment while in Argentina?" All right, um, I'm going to miss a lot of things. Like going to live matches is, is a very unique experience here, so I'll definitely. Miss that. Um, Did you say the atmosphere is going to be quite the same in Australia? Yeah, well, with another Del Piero there, I think uh, probably every match is going to be like a. Yeah. I think uh, you could probably start like a Barra culture, like bringing yeah. in a drum and just start, yeah, threatening people. For sure, for sure. I'll yeah. probably be at the head of that. Um, 
The other one was your favourite footballing moment. Um, um, what you least will miss about it? Well, least miss, uh, least miss, I will least miss. I will least miss. I will. People like me? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd, I'd say just the amount of time it takes to get into the stadium. That's certainly one thing that I'll. I just saw the the peripheral shit basically. Uh, a lot of the stuff that goes on on the sidelines that is to do with kind of mafia-like people making money and, and so forth from the games and a, and a slight sense of um, I could die when I'm going to you know when you go to I might get shot today <laughs> well it was as Seb I think said when, when he was uh, on here still um, at one point he, he said that he, he stopped going to football because he went to a wrestling game one time and there was a huge police cord on it took him an hour to get in the whole thing was very stressful and then he got to the match and the bit where he felt he should have been jumping up and down and shouting and getting worried about his team turned out to be the most relaxing part of the day Yeah, um, and that's why he stopped going and right. I can kind of sympathise with that after you did so a few yeah. matches so. and uh, best memory was I mean uh, as, a, as, a, as a whole the, the whole Copa America mm. last year was, was fantastic travelling around um, me and Aria yes uh, <laughs> Copa America road trip with the Gold Dot Convoys and, yeah. and various other people um, but I think as a, as a moment would be um, the Argentina-Peru match actually from the qualifiers. Uh, Did you go to that game? From the yeah. qualifiers for the 2010 World Cup. For the World Cup, yeah. yeah. Where, which was the moment Palermo scored. Palermo scored and uh, it was, I, I can never explain, like, it doesn't come across in words, the, 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 the storm that was happening at that, at that moment was just insane. Which end of the stadium were you at? Or which side? Uh, I, was in the, I think it was in the San Martin Alta. So could you see, because I, I have a couple of friends who were <coughs> who were in the stand behind the goal at the other end that Palermo scored at yeah, and they, no, see, they didn't see the goal happen kind of heard. I could see it yeah and uh, it was just uh, unbelievable yeah, was, I, think, uh, I don't think I'll match that again for a footballing moment mm. he did his Shawshank Redemption yeah, yeah. You know, ripped his shirt off and, and no, it's it's really it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just the, the people were so uh, Argentina were minutes away from possibly missing out on the World Cup uh, before that and people were so so distraught that we sat through this torrential rain and, and terrible terrible wind and then when he scored it was just like a release of emotion it was unbelievable so probably that would be um, Ryan Ross and Scott Monroe have also asked two fairly similar questions um, one is about Maxi Rodriguez the other is about Gabriel Heinze but both are how are they getting on at Newell's since returning from Europe Heinze has a he looks alright he looks alright but he's made a he did make it. He was. Is that his moments? Oh, yeah, yeah, Loki. I think Loki is the answer here yeah. because they're both big names returning. Well, well no, Maxi was, was injured for a couple of matches mm. as well, wasn't he? Sure, I mean, he, he, he has played. Some, I mean, he has played. I think three or four. I think it was partly responsible for Mora having such a good game. Uh, he was supposed to be marking mm. Mora. Uh, yeah, Maxi has been. I would say a little disappointing. He's, I don't yeah. know if they found the right position yeah. for him because. I mean, the thing is, like, they're two players that don't really stand out as as such. You know. No. Compared to say uh, Veron or uh, Kilmey returning, no, no, so I, I expected it's more from Maxi. It's a different kind of thing. As a, as a yeah. sort of a goal think, But I think everybody's kind of. I, I saw something during the the River Neils game on. Somebody tweeted something saying that um, uh, that Maxi Rodriguez's goal against Mexico in in the two thousand and two six World Cup. You're right. Um, it's like Maradona's second one against England in eighty six. In that you know it's it's unforgettable and it's. Unfortunately for Maxi, it's ended up kind of overshadowing almost everything he's done, especially with the national team um, since then. So to some extent, you kind of expect something more spectacular than what he necessarily. Well, I mean, even time, we're six matches into the season. 
Yeah, no, I think I think they both started pretty slowly. To be honest, Hainsley hasn't you know produced a sort of last ditch tackle to, to save the game. Maxi hasn't produced a, a, a goal at all, like his, his Mexico goal. <laughs> so you know they're just they're settling. But the point is, it's for Newells who are still major title candidates yeah. it's a massive boost and, and they're two really important players yeah, who, can, who can absorb a lot of the pressure along that comes with along with no so it's so regardless I think despite the, the fact they haven't really impressed massively so far um, it's still great news they're here absolutely Ed Malian is Sanchez Nino the answer to Argentina's left back question we've covered that one potentially but I think, I'd say yes. I'd say, I'd say give these guys time to um, time to be in the squad. Like you know, I'd, I'd say let's see what he's like at left back first because most of the matches he's played have been. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We need to see him defensively, basically. As I said, yeah. the game on the weekend, he, he he made a couple of tackles. He looked all right. Uh, right now, right now, it's a great option, but I mean, he needs to be playing there every week um, for a couple of seasons for one season yeah. and also he needs to go to Europe and see how he, how he gets on there I mean, he needs to gain a bit of confidence in the tackle perhaps because he did say a couple of weeks ago that that wasn't mm. his strong point which isn't well the other thing he said he doesn't, like, he doesn't like playing he's a midfielder yeah. mm. so that's, that's I mean that's yeah. the bottom line here I guess is like, does he want to play left back yeah. well it didn't stop Pablo Sorin he thought of himself as a left sided forward I think most of the time he did not right left back it's going to be really interesting actually I don't think we've mentioned it but uh, Argentina have got a couple of games coming up against Brazil which is going to be all of the lo- local Selecion yeah I mentioned it and, and in yeah, passing I think we mentioned it yeah and it'll be really interesting actually you know talking about this weakness Argentina have on the wide on the wide places if they put Peruzzi who we've talked about from Vélez on the right and Sanchez Mino on the left that's going to be really interesting to see if those two guys can yeah. you know can shackle people yeah. like Damião Neymar it's going to be a real kind of like I'm hoping that Sabella yeah, does use them and doesn't put in some Estudiantes guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And also asks, will Union win a game this season? That's what we haven't covered yet. Probably, yeah. No. Yeah. They, they got their first points the other day. Surely a question for Mystic Dan. Indeed, yeah. yes. I think they will win a game. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. He said this season, so that's initially. And, yeah. and final, you're right. Um, they did get their first point the other day against Tigre, and that was thanks to a... And an equaliser with almost the last kick of the game from Diego Galvan so they're improving slightly um, it also means that Tigre is still without a win rather hilariously if you're not a Tigre fan interesting um, indeed player ratings uh, what else what, what other ones have we got let's see um, Shivan LM as were Racing stupid in the way they dealt with the Claudio Shakov situation uh, no. good question uh, he was uh, told by the directors that they were going to try and ship him out a long time before this stuff came out in the press about him being told he wasn't going to play for the club again and so on so I think they could have handled that better from, from what I've heard um, yeah I think it's a shame in the end they let go for a free transfer yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah exactly he, yeah, he left on that one but then that was kind of him as well because he really kind of delayed on signing a new contract and all this kind of yeah, thing exactly. it was I mean, the two of them you know two sides being stubborn and from, from what I've heard the director's going to deal with it better and, and shut off kind of played them <laughs> to yeah. a large extent you played well, them well. Uh, to, to put it bluntly um, and then finally I, uh, it sounds like you know a bit more about this what happened I know, there, I, I, I know a, a bit more about it let's, let's say that, that for instance the, the final kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was the changing shorts uh, with the <laughs> Enzo player after the classical um, which very much appears to have been a kind of 
calculated. Do you think he calculated? I thought he was really, really, really like, deliberately to piss people off. Oh, oh, yeah. so, like, I know this sometimes a man doesn't have pants and he wants pants. <laughs> he doesn't want to walk across the field without any. His contract was so bad he couldn't buy any shorts. No. <laughs> He's soiled his own and he needs to offload them on onto someone's <laughs> Um Ed finally asked, "What's the breast band of Alpha Hall?" I'm not. I'm not an Alpha Hall man. I like them all. Yeah, right. no, no, yeah, yeah, no. I quite like. I've had the uh, Jorgelina Negra ones. Like, yeah, yeah. Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan either. You're not going to take the, any back to Australia. Yeah. Floor, you're the, the mm-hmm. Argentine. The best one. Alpha Hall. That's the best brand of Alpha Hall. Oh, Capitan del Espacio. Nice, Dan. Okay, there we go. Space captain. It's from the south part of um, Buenos Aires. But there's some like alcohols that might have illicit substances in no. them, perhaps. I like milk as well. Okay. There we go. That's that's the expert here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Ryan Ross uh, again asks which Argentine football-related figure it doesn't have to be a player would each of you like to interview, and it can't be somebody with metal ready. Which uh, pretty much rules Joel out. Of the <laughs> everybody is anybody, right? Not, not at all. I'd quite like to get my teeth stuck in, in a strictly literal sense, to who, uh, a strictly metaphorical sense. To who <laughs> <laughs> that, Metaphor- that, that must I, stay I, in. I, 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 you can't edit that out. It will stay in, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, metaphorical, isn't what I meant to say. To who I was thinking Julio Nacrondona as well. I would think he's just so shameless. All you have to do is ask him what's going on, and he'll tell you. I've been bribing this person I've got a bank account in Switzerland with 30 million dollars and, and he doesn't give a chance so it would be a, a fantastic uh, interview to have that bit maybe needs editing yeah. a bit I want to interview right. Menotti actually he sounds like a really fun person to interview well yeah. Joel is actually he's just a crazy old man yeah. so too. I'd, like, I'd like to talk to Veron because he's he's very blunt and yeah. very opinionated I guess Veron is, is excellent value um, personally uh, Maradona Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. I thought we weren't including Maradona or Messi. Though. I thought that was obvious. <laughs> yeah. I'm not well, sure. How, I'm not Messi sure doesn't say much. Messi no, exactly. No, 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 Messi would be pretty boring. Though. Although Messi was, no, he, no, he, was no. he was quite good when he came out of the dressing room last night and in the periphery that kind of uh, Fox Sports. I think it was. Or I can't remember which channel I was watching now. Uh, but they kind of caught him and he gave them about fifteen or twenty minutes whilst all of his teammates were piling onto the coach behind him and uh, had some. Interesting. Uh, I think with Messi, you need to get him a bit drunk. Stay on the match. But, yeah. <laughs> and, like play PlayStation with him for a couple of hours and yeah. get a few quotes from from him that way. It's my son with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jake asks, does Biglia or Biglia, perhaps uh, these Italian surnames in Argentine Spanish are always confusing, stand a chance of establishing himself in the national team while still playing in a inverted commas minor league? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Sabella has, has spoken about him recently, hasn't he? Not? I don't ever played for Estudiantes, like, no. <laughs> Forget him. No, I don't think that Sabella minds that, that much, like we saw him calling up, say, Barcos, who a lot of people wouldn't have heard of. Um, I just don't know if he's at the level to No, that's something. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I it's mean, it's a question like, of, you know, talent rather than... Big, big has been... He's playing in that league because he's that talent, I think. Yeah, Bigger's been linked with Arsenal and Real Madrid and the, well, the move hasn't happened and yeah. this has happened for like a couple of years now. He's a decent player but um, yeah, I th- I definitely uh, underline what, what Dan said, Aussie Dan said about the... Uh, not just my... No, not, 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 <laughs> not you. Not you. <laughs> Jake, finally, and this is actually the, the last question that we've had, asks how highly is this Colombia team thought of in Argentina? Um, I'd say the short answer is I seem to say this quite a bit when people ask about foreign national teams and how they thought of in Argentina. The short answer is it isn't. 
No, I say. Oh, I mean, oh, Marvel, yeah, sure. There's some. There's some. Columbia is owing to the Penguin. Because they've got so many. I should fucking know. People like the Columbians. Yeah, exactly. But when Columbia comes to Buenos Aires, they're not going to be seen as difficult opponents by much. Yes, Columbia always has the 5 0 at River. It's always there. Whenever Columbia comes, that's always brought up. And and after these two results, definitely, there's the Peckerman interest, Falcao. There's obviously River Plate connection. There's quite a few players there. And Shepes, of course. Shepes. <laughs> Mustn't forget Shepes. <laughs> Yepes for... Shepes. And, uh, <laughs> and the... Uh, and that's definitely. But, but I think perhaps before this um, back-to-back, these two games, then maybe not so. But I think the last two results have definitely got everyone's attention. OK, when do Colombia play Argentina? Can we remember? Argentina. They just next. repeat the other uh, yeah. same games again. Oh, yeah. It'll be probably next year then. Yeah, you're right. Because Argentina's <laughs> next one is the final one. But before 2014, I'm going yeah. for. Yeah, between <laughs> now and 2014. I would say that's almost the biggest rivalry after Brazil and Uruguay, uh, even more so than, say, Chile. Or... Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'd like to agree with that. Because the other thing is that from the other end, Colombia don't like either Argentina or Uruguay is, is one of my. Then uh, again, I was no, I was just saying that because yeah. I was surprised at just like how much that game against Peru was built up, like, especially from the Peruvian side. You know, there was stones thrown through the like yeah, coach yeah. windows, and Messi had kind of Cristiano, Cristiano shouted at him, like yeah. But from the, the Colombian, I have a, one of my best friends. I think I must have mentioned this on Hannah Pop before. He's half Colombian, yes. and uh, he gets very angry at the Argentine national team, even though he's lived in Buenos Aires for a couple of years. Um, because of the there was a was it nil nil or one one draw on the last day of the qualifiers for the World Cup a couple of World Cups ago between Argentina and Uruguay, yeah. uh, which meant that Uruguay got into the playoffs and Colombia didn't qualify. That might have been the person they beat. You are now pointing at Australia down. Of course, they've not been England in a playoff. That would be. Unusual. Well, they lost to Australia on the one. I think. Yeah, they I, I think, I think they this, if I remember rightly, this might have been the 2002 World Cup. That yeah, so they beat Australia. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, you're right. There's a rivalry there thanks to the five 0 and thanks to that playoff and and so forth. Also, there, also, there's quite a few players in the in the big America the Cali side in mm. the 80s that, that obviously got the three yeah. Libertadores finals. Uh, Falcione, now Boca coach, he was he was there. Gareca was there. So there's, there's that link as well. Like one of the great Colombian club sides had important Argentine players yeah. so there's that link as well and I think also there's, there's, to some extent it's just the fact that other South Americans don't like Argentines <laughs> <laughs> comes down to something as, as basic as that um, on this note I think we'll say goodbye unless Australian Dan has any last words to mm. Aaron before he leaves no we're not having this tearing up now it's a shame I am going to Mystic Dan yeah of course that's, those are my last words yeah. uh, one last chance to, to laugh at Mystic Dan before uh, as from next week everybody's gonna, well, no, it's leaving come on just let me finish uh, because as from next week everybody will have to start laughing instead of Mystic Sam um, because I'm going to take this over since I'm already doing the predictions anyway I might as well read them out um, here's his music Here are his predictions. Okay, Tigre is going to lose at home to Colón. Always are going to lose at home to Argentinos. Godoy Cruz is going to win at home to San Martín de San Juan. Racing is going to win against the Estudiantes. Boca is going to beat Independiente. Arsenal and Belgrano to draw. 
Newell's to beat San Lorenzo. Velez, River, draw, Union, Rafaela, draw, Kilmes, Lanos, draw. <laughs> Any interesting ones from those? Gentlemen? It's always, always going out on a limb predicting a Racing victory against Estudiantes, but yeah. I'll take it, you know. Yeah. It's always a tough game. That's a good shout. <laughs> there are, sorry, I'm trying, there was something that I was going to say, I'm only just remembering what it was. There are three derbies this weekend, um, all boys Argentinos, uh, the name of which is, is the Argentinos Juniors versus all boys rivalry, if you look it up on Wikipedia or something like that. <laughs> well, Very really? exotic. Yeah, seriously. Um, Boca Juniors versus Independiente, which of course is a classical by virtue of being two big five teams. Um, and the uh, Clásico Cusiano between the wine-growing provinces of Argentina, Godoy Cruz against San Martín de San Juan. Um, so all of Dan's predictions for those ones especially, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on them. Um, any that you're particularly confident on, Dan, that you would recommend um, people bet their mortgages on as one last final hurrah? Tricky this week. I, I would... I would be pretty confident about Boca. Oh, I knew you were Yeah. <laughs> there, there's been some crazy results between Boca and Independiente. Especially at La Bombonera. Uh, yeah. In I recent games. Last time, yeah. But I think Boca is clearly the better side, so you might you might find some good odds on that. But then Boca was clearly the better side before the last one. Yeah. Well, and indeed, a few weeks ago in the Sudamericana. True, but I mean... That, that, that was the, the, the start of the downfall of the, the, uh, the, the treble, wasn't it? For Boca. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, it was. They, right. they were undefeated before that. They were. Weren't they? For, for like in, 17 uh, years or something, yeah. something like that. <laughs> Sorry, you're right, 17 years. <laughs> yeah. I was being uh, silly. I was on Conserv- Conservative. Yeah. Um, okay, now, Dan, finally, do you have any last words to say? To no, I just, um, I, I'll still be covering Argentinian football. A few people have assumed that I'm you know, going to disappear off the planet and stuff. But no, I was like, you're in Australia, like, yeah. Sorry, hold on. For all intents and purposes, you yeah. are, but. Um, no, aside from that, yeah, as you said, it's unbelievable that we've reached however many episodes, 76 or something. 76, yeah. Um, and, no, nothing else. It's, it's good times, good times. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to occasionally get you back on via Skype or whatever. Yeah, um, sort should out be able to sort something out every experience. So it won't be the very last you've heard of Australian down uh, on Hand of Pod, uh, listeners. Sorry to tell you that, but um, anyway. um, so now it's it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye from uh, special guest Florencia Conde. <laughs> goodbye. Who's a journalism student? So one day you never know. You might be reading her stuff as well. Uh, from English now. Goodbye. Goodbye from Joel. Goodbye. Goodbye from myself, Sam, and I'll let Dan uh, send you out with this one. Goodbye and uh, I, yeah, thanks for listening. I can't believe how many people actually listen to this and. <laughs> 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 Nobody really yeah. <laughs> Alright, that's it, yeah, it's been good, thanks. Until I've had more practice at signing off the new app. Yeah, boys. <laughs> 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 it's not from the heart, isn't it? It's not from the